This is Disney Forever. Welcome to our perpetual Disney movie investigation podcast. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Katie, who has amazing pull quotes like this. Because you think making up stories about people makes make you feel better about yourself? Well, it doesn't, does it? Today's feature presentation <laughs> is A Wrinkle in Time from 2018, a very recent movie. Uh, what's, what's this movie, Katie? What's the deal? Uh, well, it's a book. And it was another movie, so this is a remake of that movie, and I've never read it, nor seen the original. Yeah, okay, we're coming to this from the same place then. Um, it, I looked at the history of this one, and because it's so recent, there's not a whole lot of interesting like production history or historical context for it. Um, just that it's a book, like it's based on a book, so history short this week. But... I liked this movie, like especially compared to, you know, last week we did a propaganda movie, Victory Through Air Power. Like this was so much better and such a breath of fresh air after that one. I mean, I was actually surprised how much I liked this movie. I don't know why. I never saw it in theaters. I just originally wasn't interested in seeing it for some reason, but I'm actually really glad I watched it. Yeah. What like let's get into the high level stuff then. Like what did you like about it? Um, I really liked the the visuals of the movie. Like I thought it was very high quality and there was lots of color and lots of things to look at. And uh, the casting was so good for this movie. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about that. You're right. The casting was really good. I mean, I was focused more on, like you said, like the visuals and the sci-fi element. You know, it's really like young adult sci-fi. It has these crazy worlds and like crazy, like mind-bending visuals. And traveling through time and space with like pseudoscience you know it some of the philosophy that's buried in here is actually kind of has some like star wars vibes to it which was interesting for me um and at its core it was like a movie about family even though it was also young adult sci-fi and i didn't know what to expect going into this one but i liked it more than i thought i would too i mean i feel like this movie wasn't i mean maybe it was talked about a lot i'm not entirely sure but I feel like it wasn't given enough credit because it's actually a lot better than I expected. Yeah. No, I felt the exact same way. Like, I don't remember seeing a whole lot leading up to it. I mean, I do remember seeing a trailer or two, but maybe they just didn't do the movie justice with it. I mean, that's entirely possible. I mean, I remember hearing a lot of stuff being like, oh, Oprah's in this movie and Chris Pine's in this movie and a bunch of like well-known named actors were in the film, but then nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why it fell off the map so much because it was it was good. Like I, we both like this movie. Um, so I guess we can get into the moments about it. I mean, the premise of this one is that um, the main character is a girl who's in her what early teens. It's got to be mid teens, something like that. It's either late middle school or early high school is her age. And um, she has a dad who works for NASA and he's doing a bunch of kind of like pseudoscience experiments, pushing the edge of, you know, technology and science and he disappears. And so that's like the main premise is like, where did he disappear to? Um, and his, his overriding like work that he was doing for his life was trying to figure out how to move through like time and space, like faster than the speed of light, um, which is a premise we've heard over and over again but his whole thing was like if you find the right wavelength with your mind you can just like instantly teleport between places in the universe and so that's the core conceit of the movie is that that's a real thing that can happen and so that's what happened to him is he traveled and he wasn't able to get back so pretty quickly in the movie um they figure out that they can do the same thing 
And so it's about them searching for their father across all these different worlds in time and space. And so the visuals are free to just go crazy trippy throughout the whole movie. Yeah, I mean, it was, I don't know, it was interesting because like, it was clear that like both the parents worked for NASA and had very, they were like very smart and raising very highly intelligent kids. And uh, Charles Wallace, who's the like younger brother is very smart, goes to the same, I think he's in the same grade level as his sister, but they are vastly different ages. Yep. Um, yeah, I liked him a lot. Like, as a character, he was one of my favorite characters in the movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, and <laughs> at the same time, I was getting real tired of them calling him Charles Wallace. Like, every time they said his name, they're like, Charles Wallace, Charles Wallace. I'm like, can you just call him Charles? But all right. Or Chuck. Or Chuck. You can just shorten it a little. <laughs> he doesn't look like a Chuck. No, you're right. He's definitely a Charles Wallace. He, and they call him that every time. He was really good. I thought he was like one of the best characters. He was super smart. And I love the way that he stood up to the teachers who were just like talking mad crap about the family and didn't even think about the fact that someone could be listening, which is just messed up. Yeah. And he always seems to know more than he lets on. Like because he's so smart, he kind of knew what was going to happen with traveling through time and space. And like hunting after their father and um these three mysterious ladies show up and he he knows them before the other kids know them um and those are kind of fun reveals too there's they call them the misses but it's mrs oh i'm not gonna remember them all there's mrs who and mrs is it what's it yeah one of them mrs what's it and then mrs witch yes that's correct yeah, it's it's very interesting because I think that part of this movie is supposed to show that even though you have somebody who's very highly intelligent, they also have a very wide imagination. So like Charles Wallace is supposed to like represent that, I feel like, because he's very, very smart, but also he believed immediately in something that is like that Meg was like, there's no way this is real. Yeah. So they're supposed to be like opposite sides of the spectrum, I feel like, is that Charles Wallace is very trusting and believes everything really quickly, whereas like Meg is very skeptical about like these strangers that just keep showing up everywhere and doesn't understand how Charles can just trust them immediately. Right. Well, they go to at one point they go to see this seer who can like help them see things and try to figure out where the father is. And it's. Uh, I'm so bad at actors' names. Zach, what's his name? The comedian guy. I'm hoping that you can help me out here. Oh my god, I don't know. The guy with between two ferns, that guy. Oh, uh, Zach Galifianakis. Yes, that guy. He's like the seer, and so um, Meg, who's the main character, she's totally skeptical of him the whole time, and Charles Wallace just like accepts it right away. So just kind of like going with what you said. Um, those are very much their roles in the movie. Yeah, I mean, it fits him really well, though, because Meg just wants to find her dad, but doesn't believe that he, like, she believes that he disappeared and that he can come back, but she's just so skeptical about this world of magic and light and dark and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, I like all the different ways they show the weirdness after, I mean, some of it is just, like, cool and open spaces and alien worlds, but they get to a point where they, like, go inside the darkness, and it's, like, an actual place um, that has kind of infinite possibilities in it, 
and they show it in a lot of interesting ways. So like one of them is at a very crowded beach and just like losing people on the beach because there's so many other people moving around and so many like bright colors in your way. Um, the one thing that I thought was kind of like freaky in a way was the the 50s neighborhood. What did you think of that? That was very like Stepford family, which was terrifying. Yes. Yes, exactly. It was everyone was like a perfect 50s family and all the kids were doing exactly the same thing at exactly the same time in sync. And it was just it was creepy, you know, maybe not freaking me out, but it was it was like a creepy thing that worked really well. It's it's this idea of because like, I don't know. Have you seen the movie Stepford Wives? Uh, I know of it. Okay. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So it's like this idea that there is this existence of having like the cookie cutter house, right? And this perfect family and that all the kids do exactly the same thing. And like it showed this, but like super amplified to a way that was just terrifying. Yep. Uh, Also, I have a question. Like, okay. Calvin, like, did they ever really explain like why he's just there? No, they near the beginning, they said something about him being like a diplomat. So I'm guessing that in the book, he does something that's more diplomatic and like helps them get along between the two, like Meg and Charles Wallace having such different points of view and then trying to intermingle with all of these other species and people and like craziness from all these other worlds. But in the movie, he just seemed like he was kind of there. Okay, because it was really just weird because he's just like this random kid that goes that's in the same like age and grade level as Meg, and he just like shows up at her house, and is just there. Yeah, it was strange. Yeah. Um, anything else jump out at you from this one? Okay, so when they started talking about the tesseract, right? Because the way that they travel through time and space, right, is they tesser is what they call it when he said the tesseract i was like wait a minute wrong chris you're like infinity stones no it was no because chris pine because chris pine is not part of the marvel universe that's chris chris evans (laughs) and chris pratt and chris pratt but it just cracked hemsworth yes all the other chris's except for this chris because it was just cracking me up because chris pine did that snl where he hosted snl and he talked about how he's the wrong chris Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, he has this whole bit where he like sings a song about like, I'm not that Chris. He goes, I'm Chris Pine. (laughs) It's really funny. Um, Okay. But yeah, that was cracking me up because I was like, Tesseract, wrong Chris, but I can can deal with it. Yeah. So some bad and some good to wrap it up. Um, What was bad in this one for you? Oh, I just put like, why is Calvin there? Because they don't ever really explain it. Yeah. No, that's that's totally valid. Um, I didn't have a whole lot that was like actively bad. There were some scenes where the effects were a little bit too green screeny for me, where it felt like they didn't exactly know what they were going to do behind them. So they just throw them on a blue screen or a green screen and then they do it all in post. And it's just obvious Um, that happened a couple places. But that's me being super nitpicky about it. I mean, we have to find something that we don't like, I guess. We got to find something. Um, the good, though, there's a bunch of good in this movie. Um, the casting, I think, is number one for this movie because they did a really great job because they had like the the three misses were Oprah, Mindy Kaling and Reese Witherspoon, which are all really great actresses. So it was great to see them like all in the same movie. Plus, there's Chris Pine. And then I forget. I, f- I don't remember the, the name of the mom, like the actress for the mom, but she was really great. And then the three kids were amazing. So, yeah. 
Yeah, no, the casting was really good. I didn't. I guess I didn't realize that was Reese Witherspoon. Oh yeah, that's definitely her. Yeah, I mean it's better than Reese without her spoon, but the visuals were really, really? good in this one too. Like I really liked the visuals in this movie. Um, that was fantastic. So that was probably one of the highlights for me. And then also, it was it was like a solid family movie. Like I would totally watch this with my kids because it's like it's a good family story that's about family and. There are some real stakes in there and real consequences, but it never gets too scary or too um, nothing like a horrible ever happens to anybody to the point where you wouldn't want a kid to see it. But there's still a really good message and it has a good journey throughout the whole thing. Yeah, I think they do a good job of throwing in how both how uh, Charles Wallace's personality and um, Meg's, how like different they are and how his personality ends up like leading him to be manipulated by the darkness versus because of how skeptical Meg is about things, she was able to like resist it and then eventually find the light to help pull them out. So she ended up being sort of like the hero in the end and like I don't know that's that seemed like a good a good message I guess to be both trusting but also be skeptical about things so that you don't end up getting manipulated and led to do bad things. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. It was a good movie, good premise, good cast. Like it was solid all the way through. So that kind of brings us to would we watch it again? Would you, Katie? Yes. Yeah, I would too. I'd watch this one again for sure. Um if you guys want to watch along with us what we have coming up next, we have Cinderella from 1950. We're going to do Honey, I Shrunk the Kids from 1989, uh, Alice in Wonderland from 1951, and then we're going to do the live-action remake of Alice in Wonderland from 2010. So we got all those coming up and more beyond that. Um, besides that, don't forget we're part of a network. We have podcasts. We have streamers. We have the Geekery blog, all that and more at geek2geekmedia.com or geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe to get it sent right to you. Uh, what did you do for Geekery this week, Katie? Um, I watched an entire Korean drama in a week. Actually, I think it did in like four days or something. It was called oh, My. Wow. Was it good? It was really good. It was called My okay. Mister. It's on Netflix. Um, I didn't realize, but the lead actress in it is actually a a solo uh, K-pop singer that I really like named IU. Um, and the lead male actor in it played the rich dad in Parasite. I always forget what his name is, but that's how I know him. <laughs> okay. Um, but it was really good. It was sort of this like mystery. It had lots of different like random things thrown in because it was this like IU plays a temp at a business and then the guy plays a he's a structural engineer at the same company as like a general manager and the his wife is cheating on him with the guy that he hates who's also the CEO at the company and like then he tries to get them fired. It's like this really weird crazy like drama thing like korean dramas always are okay but you liked it oh yeah i thought it was really good so good i mean otherwise i wouldn't have watched it so quickly probably yeah um also somehow chelsea convinced me to start recording videos of me unboxing k-pop albums for her okay um so i did that yesterday um which is gonna be like super far into the future because of where this episode pops up but um I recorded like myself opening the four versions of the Monster X album that I got in the mail. And then she today like put it into iMovie, sped it up. So it went from 11 minutes to five and then added music. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then she's trying, she's going to post it on our Instagram, I think. 
Oh, sweet. That's really cool. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. It's just something that she wants me to do because it makes her, cause she can't get albums right now. So she wants me to show her all of the things that I get. Live vicariously. Basically. Yeah. And then I mentioned last time that I'm watching um, the bad cult movies, like bad movies or cult movies with my brother from the 1990s. Yeah. And one of the other ones we watched is Mortal Kombat. That's awesome. I I think I saw that once and I remember, isn't it one that's so bad that it's good? Like it goes all the way around. It's like really bad, but it's also not so bad that you can't rewatch it and sit through it. Okay. But it's, it's fun to make fun of, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because like the CGI is really bad and then the, like some of the other stuff is just really bad in it. But you also like, I'm definitely, I would definitely rewatch it just because I really like Liu Kang a lot. So that's what I'm there for. And the music is really good. And other people, I talked about it on Twitter and people are like, what do you mean this movie's bad? And I was like, don't argue with me. You know, it's bad. Yeah, it's bad, but it's, it's one that's so bad that it can be good if you're in the right mood. Exactly. Um, and then we watched um, Escape from L.A., which is just a god-awful, terrible movie. <laughs> it's not good. Okay. I don't care how people, like, any way, shape, or form. It's just a bad movie. But at some point, I realized that what we're doing now is just watching, trying to watch every Kurt Russell movie from the 1990s is what I <laughs> <laughs> ended up noticing we were doing. Because we also watched Big Trouble in Little China, too. Yeah. And I was like, well, now we need to watch Escape from New York, Overboard, and like some other movies that Kurt Russell is in. So your rewatch is morphing as it goes along. It's it's just turning into that. Like, I have no idea what we're watching today. I really wanted to watch Sidekicks, which is a movie with um, Chuck Norris and the same kid, uh, Jonathan Bramis, who played the, the, act, the lead role in Ladybugs, which I talked about on the previous... Uh, podcast but it's literally not available anywhere like I can't find it like the only version I found of sidekicks was I could purchase it for almost $50 on VHS off of Amazon and I was like first of all I don't have a VCR and second of all why would I pay $50 for a VHS are you out of your mind that's crazy right that's what I said so I guess I just won't be watching sidekicks unless somebody sends me a link to watch it somewhere but i would never do that because illegal yeah but also send me a link (laughs) (laughs) we're not saying send her a link but if you did uh, i'll leave it there um i did i played a bunch of assassin's creed this week because uh the new assassin's creed game coming out this year is assassin's creed valhalla and i'm really excited for it it's a video game franchise where there's not one like every year but they probably average every other year one comes out and i've liked the whole series so um, because of uh, one of the geek to geek episodes that we were doing, it was like, what are your gaming shames? And so BJ and I had to like dig into what that even means for us, you know? And like, cause I don't feel a whole lot of shame about games I've played or not played or not gotten around to. And I realized that like, I love the Assassin's Creed series, but there was one of the mainline games that I had missed. And so I kind of highlighted that as one of the things that was one of my gaming shames. And so I went back and I played through that entire game and I beat it. So that was something that I did in the last week or two here was I played through and I beat Assassin's Creed Rogue, which is the one that I had never played. So that was cool to kind of check it off my list. And it's like, OK, I've played the whole mainline series and I'm excited for the one coming out this year. And then I kind of went, well, I'm still in the mood for this type of game. What if I just replay some of the older ones that I haven't played in like 
five, ten years, like a long time. Um, so I picked up Assassin's Creed 3 because the setting for that one is during the Revolutionary War, and it was just the 4th of July. Um, and so it was very on brand for that. So I played through that one also. So I beat a couple Assassin's Creed games and had a bunch of fun with that. Um, speaking of the 4th of July, if I hear another firework, I might lose my mind. Yeah, that sounds about right, especially where you're located in the country. I'm I'm so tired of fireworks. I can't even tell. It's been like, a, they've been doing fireworks for like the last like three weeks and I'm just over it. Yeah, very, very good point. Um, it's probably it for today. You guys can find us all over the internet. Our email address is DisneyForeverPodcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at DisneyEverPod. You could also just tweet a firework at that and see how Katie reacts. How dare you? <laughs> just an emoji. Just an emoji. No, you know what? That's fine. Do whatever you want. You can also send us emojis by joining our Slack workspace and our Discord server if you want to like talk to us and then send us emojis. And then I can send you the angry eyes emoji back. That's true. Uh, I blog at agreenmushroom.com. You can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Geek to Geek podcast with BJ Keaton. Um, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram by searching the handle at Lady Catherine P. I'm also the co-host on two different two different two other podcasts with my best friend tea time with katie and chelsea and you can't stop me loving k-pop uh, this has been disney forever with katie and void we'll be back next week as long as disney keeps making content that can't be forever right they can they just got to get their chris's not confused you know like chris evans chris pine <laughs>